On this edition of the Iowa Business Report. The biggest problem is not unemployment, it's unfilled jobs. <laughs> and I think that's going to grow in 2020 as more and more baby boomers keep retiring. We currently have over 7 million unfilled jobs. That could go up to 10 million as more and more baby boomers keep retiring. And younger people either are not equipped or not willing to do the jobs that baby boomers are willing to do. The U.S. economic outlook for the new year is generally positive, especially with two trade deals approved in Washington this week alone. But there are challenges, we'll explain. Also, lawmakers in Des Moines don't hold to an 8 to 5 work schedule. We'll tell you how many spend their evening hours. And in our profile segment, we'll tell you about a company that was started when its owner couldn't find a reliable supplier for a certain part he wanted. This is the Iowa Business Report for the third weekend of January 2020. The Iowa Business Report is presented with support from the Iowa Association of Business and Industry. The Iowa Association of Business and Industry has been the voice of Iowa business since 1903. Learn more online at iowaabi.org. Here is Jeff Stein. This past Wednesday, representatives of the U.S. and China signed what is called a Phase 1 agreement, which will, among other things, enhance the amount of U.S. products purchased by China and make it easier for our companies to freely do business there. And the U.S. Senate passed the long-awaited USMCA this past week, paving the way for the NAFTA replacement to go into effect soon. That's a lot of movement in a short period of time. And anticipation about those moves have led many to be optimistic about the American economy continuing to grow in this new year, 2020. Jordan Goodman is a veteran financial journalist and commentator. He spent the better part of two decades at Money Magazine and is known to audiences as America's Money Answers Man. I asked Jordan Goodman what we should expect from the economy this year. I think roughly 2% growth uh, in GDP, which is pretty much what we had last year. We certainly have a lot of momentum in the employment market. 3.5% unemployment is probably going to stay very low like that. The biggest problem is not unemployment, it's unfilled jobs. <laughs> and I think that's going to grow in 2020 as more and more baby boomers keep retiring. We currently have over 7 million unfilled jobs. That could go up to 10 million as more and more baby boomers keep retiring. And younger people either are not equipped or not willing to do the jobs that baby boomers are willing to do. So that's clearly, in a certain way, a positive for the economy, but it's a negative if we can't find people to do these jobs and we're restricting immigration. So that's part of it. Interest rates, I think, are going to continue to stay quite low. The Fed Reserve is quite clearly on hold for at least the first half of the year. Uh, they cut rates three times last year and feel relatively satisfied with where things are today. So that means the 10-year Treasury is going to be at or below 2%. It's basically 1.9, something like that now. And short-term rates are going to remain very, very low, you know, 0.1% or something like that. In Europe, I think they're going to remain negative. They're going to continue to have negative interest rates. So an overall period of low interest rates, which means for people investing, you're not going to make much in, in cash or bonds. That's why people have been putting money into stocks. We had such a fantastic 2019, roughly a 30% gain on most of the averages. Uh, and that's because stocks look an awful lot more attractive when the alternatives of cash and bonds don't look so great. One thing that, that has done well and is soaring today is gold. And all this instability in the Middle East means people want a safe haven, and gold is certainly one of them. And it, it had a good move, about 
2019, but I think it could be even more uh, this year as all this Middle East uncertainty makes people want to go into gold. There used to be the philosophy that as stocks go up, bonds go down and vice versa. Is that still something you can hang your hat on going forward? (laughs) It was actually interesting because in 2018, both bonds and stocks went down, particularly at the end of the year. In 2019, both bonds and stocks went up (laughs) and gold went up. Real estate went up. Almost everything went up in 2019. So you're right. It's normally one or the other. But in this case, if if interest rates stay where they are, bonds are not going to have much in capital gains, but you're not going to have much in losses uh, there either. But I think stocks could really do quite well. Earnings should do quite well. Having the, the trade situation with China has been a major overhang in the market. And to get that signed and implemented, hopefully will un- unleash some capital spending in the U.S. Consumer remains quite strong. Uh, they're using a lot of credit card debt. We had a huge Christmas particularly online. I think it was up 18% over the year before. And a lot of people using a lot of credit, which is stimulating the economy. But I'm concerned the bills are now going to be coming in, Jeff. They're going to have a lot of debt to pay. The total amount of debt is certainly at a record high, consumer debt. It's about $15 trillion, $13 trillion or so in mortgage-related debt, about a trillion in credit card debt, $1.5 trillion in student debt, $1 trillion, $1.3 trillion in car debt, and that's a big burden on people. That's one thing as we start the new year, they should have some resolutions to get that done under better control. Because at the beginning of the year, this is the time maybe people think about that. And they went into a lot of debt last year, and hopefully they can start paring it down in 2020. Given all of these potential trade deals, we obviously here in this part of the world are very concerned about things that are consumable, the grains and uh, the other commodities. What do you think as you look ahead for 2020? How is that going to play into the market globally? Well, certainly having more demand from China will be good, and that'll help wheat and corn and pork, beef, all kinds of things. Uh, so that that's a positive. But there's still too much supply out there. So I don't see prices moving up in any dramatic way. In fact, I think they'll probably stay where they are or go down a little bit. You'll just have more demand uh, from China. But we have the supply. So there's a lot of grain elevators that are filled up, I guess, right now. So maybe they'll have a place to put it instead of having to keep uh, filling up the grain elevators. So I do not see a big spike in commodity prices at all. Oil, I think it could stay in the rough area, uh, 50 to 60. I mean, it's up a little bit right now. Now, if we get into an outright war, as we talked about, and they cut off the Strait of Hormuz, then oil prices could go up much more than that. But I'm not expecting that right now. Let's talk a little bit more about jobs. You did mention quite accurately the fact that we have more jobs than we have appropriately trained workers to fill them. That's great, I suppose, for unemployment rate. Not great if you're trying to expand as a company. But what are some of the trends? And if someone is listening to us and is thinking this might be the time that that they want to do something else career-wise, what are the steps they might take to get from point A to point B? This is a great time to change careers if you're not happy with where you are, because there are so many job opportunities. What I would do is first look at where the jobs are and see what fits with what you're looking for, and then get the training for that job, and you will have a job very quickly if you're trained for it, because employers are pretty desperate to hire people trained in various areas. One of the other new sections I've added to MoneyAnswers.com and the Resource Center is called Online Education. And there's a whole bunch of places. There's one called 360 Training. There's another one called WizLabs, Udacity, a whole bunch of these things. 
literally whatever topic you want to learn, whether it be working with your hands or computer programming, you name it, there are courses online that you can access anytime you like to learn these things and get certificates, get degrees that are, are recognized by employers. So in, in this, you don't have to just only go to a local college. They don't happen to have that particular course. The whole world is open to you today in, in learning whatever skills you need. But I would say find the jobs first that you're interested in, then get the skills. What most people do, Jeff, is the opposite. They, they pursue what they're interested in and find there's no jobs in that area. Do it in reverse, and I think you'll do much better. It's a much more targeted search, to be yes. sure. Financial journalist Jordan Goodman, who is the author or co-author of 13 books on personal finance. You can learn more online at moneyanswers.com. We spoke earlier this month. Still to come, we'll catch up with lawmakers in Des Moines, and you'll hear about a Waverly-based company that is moving into its third generation of family ownership. You're listening to the Iowa Business Report. The Iowa Business Report is a copyrighted production of Totally Iowa Media, which is solely responsible for its content. For more, click on the radio programs button at totallyiowa.com. The Iowa legislature gaveled back into session this past Monday. We previewed the session for you on this program last week. If you missed the conversation or would like to hear it again, go to totallyiowa.com and click on the radio programs link for the podcast. We know that lawmakers work under the Golden Dome in Des Moines during the day, but increasingly there are demands on their time at night as well. Trade groups, cities, colleges, and other entities host evening receptions designed so their constituents can connect with lawmakers to discuss issues. There are now so many evening events that many groups are hosting early morning breakfasts to serve the same purpose, further extending the workday. And contrary to cynical belief, these are very much not parties. Dave Williams is a Democrat from Blackhawk County in his second year as a member of the Iowa House. Well, it varies, always at least two a night, sometimes three. So you have to, you pick and choose and And sometimes I will try to make all three depending on what I'm working on and people I want to look up and ask questions of because this is a good opportunity to ask questions of people you may not necessarily get to see uh, at the Capitol building. Well, I base it on um, my committee assignments. and I'm assigned to Commerce, so this is a good one tonight here at ABI. I caught up with Representative Williams outside one of the session's largest events held this past Wednesday, sponsored by the Iowa Association of Business and Industry. Around 500 lawmakers, citizens, and statewide elected officials were on hand. The experience is still new for State Senator Eric Giddens. The Cedar Falls Democrat won a special election to fill a vacancy and was only seated for the last month of the session last spring. I like visiting with people. I like being connected with constituents and and, uh, folks that... Um, you know, we're, we're here to represent, so I think this is a great opportunity to do that. I'll try to make as many as I can. I, I have, there's another one after this tonight that I'll go to. Uh, you know, if they're overlapping and there's just not a possibility, I'll try to prioritize, like, you know, the, the types of in areas that I'm most interested in, I guess. So they're very, very valuable and appreciate the opportunity to do this. Republican John Jacobson of Trainer is in his third year as a member of the Iowa House. Just last year, anecdotally, we had six 
dinner receptions one evening, four breakfasts the following morning. So within a tight 12-hour time span, we had 10 events. It's impossible to get to all of them. Oftentimes there may be three events, and so usually you sequentially, serially try to touch base. The hazard, of course, for a legislator is it's a, a real uh, impediment to avoid the legislative paunch, which is approximately six pounds per session. So uh, you will not starve here, that is for certain. And despite the waistline battle, Representative Jacobson says he attends to lobby as well as to be lobbied. An event like this one draws in all of my fellow legislative colleagues and a tremendous number of lobbyists. And right now, my number one focus, call it an obsession this session, is emergency flood relief to my constituents. We've got 16,000 acres underwater. We had people living in campers at parks up until a month and a half ago. And so I can communicate that to central and eastern Iowans that don't know our plight in order to galvanize support for emergency appropriations. State Senator Craig Johnson is an independence Republican. So taking time tonight to come to ABI was a matter of knowing that we had constituents here and people and businesses that would want to see us. These folks go to a lot of trouble putting these together. And when we have an opportunity to get to meet this many people in this close of a room, that's awesome. I mean, that's what we're down here to do. Personally, some satisfaction of knowing that the people that we represent, or in this case, the businesses that are here in Iowa, they may have some issues or some concerns that we should know about, and that's why we're down here. Being in state government, it's important to me personally. And then when you see all these folks that you've seen here tonight, they do have a wish, they have an issue, a concern. That's why we're down here. The first week of any session is filled with organizational issues, including hearing the governor's condition of the state message. But as Senator Johnson told me, by Wednesday afternoon, a stack of bills under consideration had already arrived on his desk. Up next, if you can't buy it, make it. That's how one Waverly manufacturer got started. You're listening to the Iowa Business Report. The Iowa Business Report is presented with support from the Iowa Association of Business and Industry, helping develop the next generation of business leaders through Leadership Iowa, Business Horizons, and Leadership Iowa University. To learn more, go to iowaabi.org. In this week's profile segment, meet Mark Hanawalt, president of United Equipment Accessories in Waverly. The company makes electromechanic devices typically for a rotary motion. The simplest application I can think of is a merry-go-round or a ferris wheel. They both have lights and they both rotate. And if you didn't have some type of a rotary joint in that rotational connection, the wires would twist off. You know, people will also say, well, where else is it used? And you know, when you start thinking about wind turbines and you start thinking about hydraulic cranes and you start thinking about aerial lifts and packaging equipment and on and on and on, you, you start to say, yeah, there's a lot of stuff in this world that goes around. This device is integral then to the operation of really the most fundamental cylindrical objects. Right, exactly. And it can be as rudimentary or straightforward as an amusement ride, or it can be as technical as a tank or a satellite in outer space. It runs the whole gamut of level of technology. 
That was all the work of Hannah Walt's father, Vern Iserman, who founded UEA in his garage. It was his development of a reliable collector ring, more often now known as a slip ring, that laid the foundation for today's global company. We identified uh, a problem with an application in 1952. The products that were on the market were not reliable, and uh, so uh, actually my father designed and patented a device that solved a lot of those problems. And that's really how the company you know, started, was kind of solving a problem. We always look for problems to solve because you get really long-term happy customers that way. He was a pretty smart guy. As I have observed the, the, the greatest generation, of which he was a very um, typical person, these people went through some really tough times. And because they went through some really tough times, they were using their ingenuity all the time. It was, how am I going to solve this problem? And typically, how am I going to do it pretty inexpensively? Because I know the value of money. So everything he did was a lot of times done on a budget. It, it worked. It worked well. But that's where the disconnect came for him was, how do you market this? And he was lucky enough to have some people come along and get involved in, in this company that said, oh, yeah, we can do it for more than one or two or three manufacturers. We can take this nationwide. We can take this eventually globally. In a multi-generational family-owned company, each generation adds its own unique take on things, each building on the generation that came before. By the time that I got here in the 70s, we had a good product. There's no question we had a good product. But we were very limited in the markets that we were serving, only doing potentially one or two. And so it really was that next generation's job, in my mind, to start adapting this to as many places as we could go. From that one to three markets, one especially, to now doing you know 16 different markets and looking for more, that's where we've taken this to now into the third generation. And, and you know, quite frankly, I think where the ch- third generation is looking is expanding not only the product offerings, but the technology as well. Every generation looks at the previous generation and says, they did this well, they maybe didn't do this as well as they could have. What can I learn from this and what can I put that into practice for? A third generation is now a part of United Equipment Accessories' leadership team. UEA recently acquired a firm in Texas in order to help it meet its desire to grow. And that has led Mark Hanawalt to consider some broad concepts about business here at home. I love Iowa, but one of the problems that we have is people. There are good people here, but just not enough of them. And so we took the strategic move to acquire a company in Austin, Texas, which is obviously growing very quickly and um, with uh, a lot of human power and technical knowledge available. And so um, we're going to see how that plays out as to how much we can continue to expand in Iowa and, or whether we're capped and any future expansion maybe has to come elsewhere. Twenty years ago, I would have never said that, but uh, that's the reality today. We just don't have the human workforce appropriately skilled and trained so that you can go beyond where you are. I won't go that far. I think most employers today, I mean, we have a a, a part of our um, human resources, which we call UEA University. Mm -hmm. And I think it's contingent upon employers today to train and educate people. 
Because mm-hmm. a lot of times the jobs we ask for are not, you know, yes, um, the community colleges are very important, universities and colleges are very important. Um, but again, there are certain skills that you may have to just train internally. Mm-hmm. And so that's what we've set up a, a system to do. Part of it's the education system and, 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 co- and industry needs, I think. Um, but in Iowa, it's specifically uh, the, the number of people. You know, my hope is that we come to the realization that we need to change. And you will hear me say this quite often inside our uh, institution, the United Equipment will either change or it's going to die. I want the state of Iowa to realize that with the next generation coming, we need to change some things because they're very driven by quality of life and what opportunities there are for entertainment and recreation and that type of thing. And so I think we have to be very, very cognizant of where the state needs to move to change somewhat of an outdated perception of the state, but also to move it where it's a reality from an, uh, an ending standpoint that it's tough to get people here. I would hope that we just at some point get our politicians together and say, this is what we need to get to do to, to get people to come back to the state because it's a beautiful place to, to live. It's great people and great education systems. And rather than being, as I call it, so Iowa nice, we should just be very competitive and bragging a little bit. Mark Hanawalt is president of United Equipment Accessories in Waverly. They have a recently redesigned website, uea-inc.com. And that brings us to the close of this week's program. Next week, we'll hear what some Iowa business leaders surveyed think about the business climate for the first quarter of 2020. That and more next week at this same time. In the meantime, you can listen to all or part of today's program again by going to totallyiowa.com and clicking on the radio programs link. You'll also find podcasts of full interviews with folks you hear on this program. You'll find those as IBR extras. We welcome your comments. Send them by email to radio at totallyiowa.com. I'm Jeff Stein. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you have a prosperous week. The Iowa Business Report is presented with support from the Iowa Association of Business and Industry, sponsors of the Taking Care of Business Conference in Cedar Rapids in June. Follow ABI on Twitter at IowaABI and online at iowaabi.org.